This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, we started last week talking about God with us. And I'd like to uh, start with Job. Job chapter 23, verse 3. And uh, what a great desire we see here in the book of Job. Job 23, 3 says, If only I knew, if only I knew where to find God, I would go to his throne and I'd talk with him there. If, if only I knew where to find God, I would go to his throne and I would talk to him there. You, you, you hear the cry of so many people's hearts. You know, he articulated it, but there's a lot of people who's felt the same way. If only I knew, and a lot of times people in this day and time have the same feeling that Job had. If only I knew where to find God, I would go to his throne and talk to him there. If only I knew. As we look over into the New Testament, where they're saying, oh, if I only knew, I'd go to his throne. And I'd talk to him there. Well, listen to what it says here. Here's basically our invitation in the New Testament after Christ has come, paid for our sins, risen from the dead. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let us come boldly to the throne. Let's just do it. We know how to do it, you know, and it's only through Christ. Jesus says, go to the Father. And just tell him, I sent you. Jesus says, you go to the Father in my name and he'll accept you, you know. Go right there to the throne of grace. And he says here, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And mercy is not getting the the bad or the judgment or the consequences of our sin that we really deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And we will also find grace. Grace is getting all the wonderful promises and blessings that we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting the bad we do deserve. Grace is getting all the good that we don't deserve. And we'll find grace to help us when we need it. I think we need his grace right now. I really do. And there's a lot of uh, confusion in our world right now. Just, just look, it's so confused. It's, it's people are, are hard to get along with, you know, in our political arena. It's just a lot of craziness that's been going on. There's a, a virus and the whole rest of the world are kind of up in arms and, you know, making threats. And we can be on the verge of wars. And there's just, I think we need to go to boldly. And you know how do you go boldly? Because where Job was saying, well, if only I knew where to find God, I'd go to his throne and I'd talk with him there. Well, we've been invited. Do you know how long it takes to get to the throne of God's grace? Well, it actually takes less than a breath. Papa God, I come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. We're welcomed. We come to you in the name of your son, Jesus. He said we could come to you and you would accept us. Just just 
to tell you that he sent us. So we come boldly without apology because we understand that you want us to come there. And Papa God, we, we have great needs in our nation right now. Would you pour your spirit out upon us? Oh, Papa God, we have needs in this room and those watching online, would you pour your Holy Spirit, your miraculous restoration, healing, provision, power upon us all and bless our gathering and may this be the greatest Christmas we've ever had and we invite you to be our guest. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been in his throne for a couple minutes right there. That's all it takes is a man or woman who believes what the Bible says. It takes faith to step into the throne room of God. We just believe what his word says. Anyhow, God wants to be in our lives and it's only natural, I think, for us to want him into our lives. I really do, you know, and all we need to do is to believe and receive, you know, him into our life. That's it, real simple. Uh, let me just give you probably one of the basic, the most basic passages that you can use to lead someone to Christ. There's two steps. And this is all really you need. And there's a growing and discipling after that. But it says it in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It says that if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, okay? If I confess with my mouth that, that Jesus is Lord, and, number two, and I believe, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's it. And if somebody's told you all kinds of other stuff that you got to do and you got to do this and this and this and this and this and, you know, just hope that maybe you'll make it one day, then they don't know what they're talking about. The Bible says you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the Lord Jesus. You confess that and you believe. See, resurrection is so important. If there was not an Easter, if there was not a resurrection, then there would be no salvation. But there is a resurrection. So we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's it. You believe it, you confess it, you're saved. You believe it's that simple? I do. That's where salvation began with me. And then he goes and it clarifies it again in verse 10. It says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. One believes unto having a right relationship with God. With the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Those two ingredients. You got to confess it with your mouth, what you believe in your heart. The Bible tells out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. And if you believe it, Jesus rose from the dead and you declare, I believe it. He rose from the dead and he is Lord of all. That's it. You say, that sounds too simple. I'm going to tell you something. God specifically, he put the cookies on the lowest shelf so I could reach them. And so all the kiddos could reach them. So, oh, you have to be an adult before you can accept Christ. Baloney. I'm serious. 
How old do you have to be before you can accept Christ as your Savior? There is no age limit. I can tell you, my son, Judah, he was two and a half years old when he accepted Christ as his Savior. He's a pastor today, so I reckon he worked, you know. Whenever you believe, and kids usually believe easier than adults, and you confess it with your mouth, that's what the Bible tells us anyhow. Well, listen, A.W. Tozer, he said, in the average church service, the most real thing is that shadowy unreality of everything. God, please deliver us. This is an honest, sincere prayer. God, please deliver us. Faith Living Church, deliver us from ever being average. We, do you want to be average? I don't want to be average. Please deliver us. A.W. Tozer said in the average church surface, the most real thing is that shadowy unreality of everything. The worshiper sits in a state of suspended mental inactivity. A kind of a dreamy numbness creeps upon him. He hears words, but they do not register. He can't relate them to anything on his own life level. It doesn't affect anything in his everyday life. He is aware of no power, no presence, no spirituality. And, and that's the average service. Oh, God, please deliver us from ever being average. That is the cry of my heart. Jim Smith went to church on Sunday morning, and he heard the organist miss a note during the prelude. And he winced. Oh, man. And he saw a teenager talking when everybody else was supposed to be bowed in silent prayer. And he felt like the usher was watching to see what he put in the offering plate. And it made him boil. He caught the preacher making a slip of the tongue five times in the sermon by actual count. He'd probably find me making a slip more than that. As he slipped out through the side door during the closing hymn, he didn't stay for that. He muttered to himself, never again. What a bunch of clods and hypocrites. Never again. He considered it a waste of his time. That was Jim Smith. Ron Jones went to church on a Sunday morning, and he heard the organist play an arrangement of A mighty fortress is our God. And he thrilled at the majesty of it. He heard a young girl take a moment in the service to speak her simple, moving message of the difference that her faith has made in her life. He was glad to see that his church was sharing in a special offering for the hungry children of Africa. He especially appreciated the sermon that Sunday. It answered some questions that had bothered him for a long time. 
He thought as he walked out of the door of the church, how can a man come here and not feel the presence of God and that God is with us? Both men, Jim Smith and Ron Jones, went to the same church on the same Sunday morning. How is that possible? Each man found what he was looking for. If you want to find something to complain about, you have lots of reason to complain. If you find something to be thrilled and worship God about, you have even more to worship him and praise him for. What are you looking for? Because that's what you're going to find. And people can say, well, it's just this and this and this, and I'm just complaining. Just because, just, they just figure it out. No. You found what you was looking for. You know, what are you looking for? Listen to what it says in Isaiah 55, verse 6. It says, seek Seek the Lord while you can find him. There is going to come a time when you won't be able to. Seek the Lord while you can find him and call on him. Do you all see the scripture? Call upon, call on him. Now, not tomorrow. I wonder how many people plan to accept Christ Tomorrow, but they didn't survive until tomorrow. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. And he is. Let the people turn from their wicked deeds. And turn, it just means to repent. The word repentance means to do an about face. To turn from darkness to light. To turn from worldliness. Turn, turn to God, you know. And that's what he's talking about when he says it here. Let people turn from their wicked deeds. Let them banish from their minds every thought of doing wrong. Because it starts in our mind. We think about doing wrong and then we act upon it. And he says here, let them banish from their minds the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord. You turn from something and you turn toward the Lord. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them, not give them what they deserve. Yes, turn to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Is pardon a good thing? If it's relevant to you, is pardon a good thing? It just means that you are 100% totally forgiven. We just wipe it off the slate. And he says, you turn to him and he will abundantly pardon. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 says, Jesus came up and said to them, all. Now, what percentage does this word all mean? All authority, 100% authority. There it is again. I wonder if it's the same one. What percentage is this next all? That's 100% too. All authority, all power. Of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, all authority and all power has been given unto me. That's what Jesus said. It's given unto me, unto him. 
And therefore, he tells us what to do. And he is telling us with his authority and he's telling us with his power. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all. Well, what percentage is this word all here? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. And do you know something? When we share and when we do this and that, do you know, even out of faith living church that you're a part of, do you know the gospel has actually made it to other parts of the world from right here? Did you know that? Now, we might not get on a plane and fly over there, all of us, but we can still get the gospel to all parts of the earth. Did you know that? It's like, that's miraculous as far as I'm concerned. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me. Jesus is saying, help the people, help the people to learn of me. That's Jesus speaking there. Believe in me, help them to learn of me, help them to believe in me and to obey my words. Help them to obey my words and, and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe. You understand the word observe? Now, let's see. Friday night, it was a Friday night. My son, who's a, a Marine, do you know military people train all the time? As long as they're, they got another little field trip for them, they got another little something for them to learn. It's just always going on, more training, more training, more training. Well, he called me that night. No, it was that morning. It was after 12 at some point in time. He said, Daddy, I got to tell you something. I said, yeah, what happened, bud? He said, we were all out in the field. They, they have quite an adventure out there in the field, you know. And the sun was just getting ready to go down. And these guys were all blending in with the bushes, you know. You wouldn't have saw them if, if you had been there. They were all laying there, you know. And, off, and he said, and I saw something in front of me. And it looked like a head of a snake. And I told one of the guys, I think there's a snake out there. He said he stayed there for a little while. And he's like, then he, he saw the pits on the side of the snake. Now, if it has pits, that's a pit viper. And there are only four kind of poisonous snakes in the United States, unless it's in a zoo somewhere. And if it has a pit, it's one of the pit vipers that's poisonous. He said, I could see the, the pits on the side of it. That means it's close. And then I saw its little forky tongue come out. And then as he focused in on, it's like, that's a copperhead. And he knows what copperheads look like because he's he seen some dead ones when he was a little boy with his daddy before, you know. It's his dad. I told the guys and I just used the butt of my rifle. I went, and I just killed that rascal right there. Just absolutely took his head off. Do you know why he was able to do that? He was observant. The other guys were afraid of snakes, you know. The Bible right here, it says, teaching them to observe everything. See, you can observe the good, and you can also observe the bad. Observe is... Is, is talking about you on, on, on watch. You're, you're a lookout. You're, you're observing. If, if, if you were to really become observant, you, you would observe, hey, hey, God's in this place. 
I met with God this morning at the base of the mountain. I actually met with him before I even got out of the bed. I really did. I said, good morning, Papa God. I told my wife I loved her, you know, and then we started our day getting our packs all loaded up and taken off up the mountain. We stopped and we talked to him for a few minutes before we even took off up the mountain. And then we talked to him as we were going and we got up on top of the mountain. And, and many of you guys joined us in our prayer time up there. Are you observant? Or can you go through the whole day and say, well, I didn't see God nowhere. If you're observant, you will. Because he said he'll never leave us or forsake us. So understand that. It says here in verse 20, teach them. The people that you, you, you're you going to make disciples of, you know, the people that you you want them to learn about Jesus, to believe in Jesus and to obey his words. And he says here in verse 20, teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. Now, what percentage is that everything? Jesus says, teach them to observe, watch out for, be on the lookout for everything that he has commanded. That Oh man, this book is life changing. There is not one word in there that don't benefit us. It's faith producing as a warning. It's faith producing to guide us and to lead us in the best pathway for our lives. Whatever it is that you need, you're going to find it there. And he says, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. Are you on the lookout for God? If you're on the lookout, I'm going to tell you something. You're a watchman. You're on the lookout. If you're looking for him, you're going to find him. Because he makes himself easily discovered. That's just the truth of it. You know? And he says, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you. What? What percentage is that? Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always. Now, that is absolutely 100% the truth in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day, any time on that 24 hours of the day, he says, I am with you always, 100% of the time. And so you can, if you're on the lookout, if you're observing, you're going to recognize. And it's precious. It's just like, Lord, I just love you. And I just ask you to, it's like, I feel like somebody tapped me on this. Who, who, what was that? Oh, that was you, wasn't it? You know what? God loves you. And I'm going to tell you something. God's just not always serious business either. Did you know that God can laugh? Did you know that? We're created in his image. Do you laugh? Do you like to laugh? Laughter is healthy for us. Hanging out with God. Anyhow, he says here, and lo, I am with you, always remaining with you perpetually, which means always and forever, remaining with you. And this is in the Amplified Bible. Perpetually, always, forever, regardless of circumstances such as virus, pandemic, chaos, you know, threats of war. He says, I am with you always remaining with you perpetually regardless of circumstances and on every occasion, even to the end of the age. Jesus says, I'm with you. 
You will never go somewhere. You go, well, I go some bad places. The Bible says, God says, even if you make your bed in hell, he says, I'm there. Because it breaks his heart that you would reject him. And he will spare us while we still got breath in our body and we can invite him into our lives. Anyhow, when you're with him, you do make a difference. When you are consciously aware of his presence with us, you make a difference. And if you'd help me preach this sermon for just a moment, if you would, you don't have to say a word. Now you can say a word or a couple. Just point your finger at somebody and you can say, that's talking about you. That's talking about you. It's talking about you. It's talking about you. Talking about you. It's talking about me too. That's what he's talking about. And his word, when he is with us, and, and you can read it over and over so many places, our lives make a difference when he's with us and when we're aware of that, you know? One Sunday on their way home from church, a little girl, she turned to her mother and said, Mommy, the preacher's sermon this morning confused me. And the mother said, Oh, why is that? And the little girl replied, Well, Mommy, he said that God is bigger than we are. Is that true? The mother replied, Well, yes, that's true, honey. And he also said that God lives in us. Is that true too, Mommy? Again, the mother replied, well, yes. Well, said the little girl, if God is bigger than us and he lives in us, wouldn't he shine through? What do you think? Now, this is not near as powerful as God. Can, can you see my light? Is it shining through? Well, if God is bigger than you and me, and he has been invited to live in us, would it become obvious to other people that he is there? Our actions, and it would become visible, our words, and what we do and what we choose not to do would be obvious that God is with us because he should be shining through. Do other people see Jesus shining through your life? Think about that. Because if he's there, he is going to shine through. That's it. That's what I'm talking about, you know. If he's there, he's going to shine through, you know. And many of you, I really do believe, because I know a lot of you, and I know a lot of you who are online, who we've communicated with, and I do believe that he is shining through many lives who are part of our gathering, however you gather with us, you know. And God's, he's making a difference through men and women just like you because you've chosen. You've chosen to be men and women of faith and you've chosen to obey God. And you've given 
sacrificially of your time and your energy, your money, your resources. You, you've prayed and you've believed and you've acted. And I'm going to encourage you to read the book of Acts. Start on it today and just read through it however long it takes you to get through the book of Acts because it's the acts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of men and women, boys and girls. And then you see their acts, the men, women, boys and girls, their actions in the early church. And, and hopefully we see it all the way down to today, our actions, because the Holy Spirit is in us acting and, and, and we're our men and women of action. Because he is with us, and I'm going to tell you, it's just absolutely the positive truth. If he is with us, and if he is in us, he is going to show through. If he's there, he's going to show through. You know? Is anything showing through right now? I wonder why. There's no light in there right now. But when there's light in there, it's going to show through. Mark chapter 16, verse 19 says... So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, and he has absolutely spoken unto us as well, he was received up into heaven and he sat on the right hand of God. And they, talking about believers, talking about followers of Christ, and they went forth, the believers, the followers of Christ, and they went forth and they preached everywhere. Now what percentage was that again? They preached everywhere. It just means they were telling about the good news. Everywhere. And the Lord working with them. God with us. And the Lord was working with them. And he's shining through. And confirming the word with signs. And you read it in other translations. You go back to the original language. You'll see he's talking about miraculous signs. Papa God, we hear a mercy vehicle off in the distance. We ask that you'd help those people, whoever it is, whatever their need is, help them and help those who are responding to get there in time and to offer the assistance they need and draw them all into yourself, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name. You, you believe God answers a prayer like that, don't you? That might be somebody that you know. So we always pray when you hear an emergency vehicle like that. Anyhow, it says, And the Lord was working with them, confirming the word, his word, with signs following. See, the signs were following the followers of Christ. And that means you may not always see it. You might, somebody has a great need, you go, well, let me just pray for you. Lord, I just ask you to bless this man and this one. ask you just to meet their needs, just heal this body, Lord. Provide what it is they have need of in Jesus' name. Hey, God bless you, man. You may never see them again, but the signs follow. And later on they go, wow, I'm healed. Oh, our needs were met. Signs follow the followers of Christ. That's the truth of it. Sometimes if we saw all the miracles take place that God wants to take place, we'd get prideful of it. And lots of times it's the, the miraculous signs follow. After we've done our part and we're on about our business, God does his part. And he says here, he confirms. The Lord was working with them, the followers, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 says, 
for we are the temple of the living God. And if we are the temple and he is in us, what's going to happen? He's going to shine through. People are going to see it. They're going to recognize that. We're the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. God desires a relationship with you and me. He wants to be with us. He wants to be among us. He wants to shine through us. That's absolutely the truth. You know, he wants us to be his people. He wants us to call him daddy. He wants us to call him father. He wants us to call him papa. Whatever suits you best. He wants that relationship. Verse 17 says, therefore, because he wants this relationship, he says, therefore, come out from them. Come out from those who are willfully sinful, willfully just self-centered and selfish, willfully worry, a worldly kind of a people, and, and those who are just willfully disobedient to God. God says, that's not the kind of people you need to hang around with unless you've got a mission to share the gospel with them. But don't, you, you got to be different. So he says right here, he says, be separate. Verse 17, therefore come out from them and be separate. Don't participate with that, but separate from that. Says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Don't let it contaminate you. We work really hard so we're not contaminated with that coronavirus, don't we? We don't want to touch it. We don't want to get the virus from anything or from anybody, do we? And he's saying, don't let sin contaminate and corrupt you. It's what he's telling us right here. Get free of all that. Separate yourself, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I'll be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord half mighty. Oh, yeah. All my, what percentage is all? 100% mighty. The Lord God almighty, but sometimes we act like he's just half mighty or maybe a quarter percent mighty, you know? But he is the almighty, the all-knowing, the ever-present, always there for us. You remember when Samson had the presence of God, you know, on him and with him? There was nothing that Samson couldn't do when the presence of God came upon him. You remember that as you read in your Bible about that. But without God's presence, without the presence of God, Samson couldn't do anything. He was weak, weak as water. But when the presence of God, when you know God's with you, you can do anything. But when you have no observation of his presence with you and you're just kind of pursuing those things that are corrupting you and contaminating you and and you really can't hardly do anything, you know. C.S. Lewis once said, the moment you wake up each morning, all your wishes and hopes for the day, they rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning should consist in shoving it all back away. Then listening to that other voice, that still, small voice, taking that other point of view, God's point of you and letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. It's so important. I don't know if, if you ever have it. When you wake up and think, well, I'm going to read my Bible a little bit and I'm going to pray a little bit. Do you ever have a 
dozens of things coming at you that you need to do that you forgot about. I got to take care of this now. You ever had that? To rob you of time to pray or to read the Bible in the morning. And we just got to shove stuff back because our Bible says if you seek first God and, and in the mornings is, is the first of the day. If you seek first God in his kingdom, all these things shall be added to you. They're going to come looking for you. The blessings of God are going to come to you if you just make time to put him first in your life. That's what he's talking about. Uh, this is an interesting statement. Listen to it. God is a silent partner present in all enterprises. So says Abraham Lincoln. You mean one of our earlier presidents? He said God is the silent partner present in all great enterprises. And he who runs from God in the morning will rarely find him for the rest of the day. So says John Bunyan. John Bunyan is the one who wrote Pilgrim's Progress. If you don't make time for God in the morning, you'll probably not even discover him the rest of the day. If God was with us, would we worry? If God was with us, would we panic? If God was with us, would we be afraid? If God was with us, would we doubt? It's a choice. If God was with us, would we complain? If the almighty most high was there with us and we were keenly aware of that, all this stuff's going to be taken care of. What would ever, 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 ever bother us if we knew that God was with us? Nothing would ever bother us when we know that God's with us because he's going to take care of it all, you know? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. Was there ever a day in your life that you were living apart from Christ? You, you might have had religion, but you didn't have a relationship with Jesus, you know? Well, there's usually a time in everybody's life, unless you came to know Christ at the earliest possible age. But Ephesians 2.12 says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from God's people, Israel. You did not know. You did not know the promises God had made to them. Or to you, you lived in this world without God and without hope. And see, that's what happens to the men and the women who are in our sphere of influence right now. When they are without God, they are without hope. Understand hope is a confident expectation for the future. And they don't have a confident expectation. They just gloom and despair and nag. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And that's the way people feel right now if they don't have God in their life. And, and we need to let him shine through us, you know, uh, because that's how we would feel. When we don't know that God is with us, we would feel hopeless with no expectation really for the future except something bad. Verse 13 in Ephesians 2 verse 13 says, but now you belong to Christ Jesus. Have you genuinely, if you have just, you remember it. Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And have you believed in your heart that God did raise him from the dead? Well, then you're in relationship. Your sins have been pardoned. You've been forgiven. You know, that's what he's saying here. <clears throat> Verse 13. 
But now you belong to Christ. Though you once were what? Far away from God. Now you have been brought near to him because of the blood of Christ. And let us acknowledge it's the blood of Jesus Christ that washes all my sins away. Some people don't want to hear about the blood. You know, they find it offensive. But I am telling you, there's nothing more that he died in my place that he shed his blood to wash our sins away. That's just the truth of that matter. Are you aware of God's presence with you? Are you aware of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you? That's very vital. It's very important. Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, it says, I am, what's that? With you. This is God speaking. He's speaking to Jacob, but this is the, the law of double references. He was speaking to us who would come afterwards. These promises are for us as well as for Jacob. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. That's the promise of it. He's going to watch over us wherever we go. And then verse 16, it says, And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. So much of our life, if we're not careful, as we get older, we go, oh, the Lord was in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. We need to be keenly observant. We need to become aware. We need to have our eyes wide open for the presence of Almighty God. Due to divorce and separation, abandonment, Many have been so hurt, and I'm talking about hurt to the core of who they are. They have no hope that anyone would truly stick with them. Because of the experiences they've been through, they have no expectation anybody's going to really stick with them. When God says, I'm with you, and I want to be with you forever, that's phenomenal. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 says, listen to the Lord who created you. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And when you go through deep waters, and this is talking about troubling waters, deep waters of trouble. He says, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, what's he tell us? You're going to not drown, and I'm going to tell you something. You know what? Now, this is a good thing here. This happens to be a life jacket, and this is pretty good, but this ain't near as good as what God is promising you and me. When you go through the deep waters, the life jacket ain't going to do you near as good as God's going to do you. When you're going through the difficulties of trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, this has great limitations to it. It'll run out pretty quick and it don't have the ability to quench all kinds of fires, the fiery darts that come against you. It just don't work. Oh, we, we'd like to say, well, it will do it. 
But that's not what he is promising. He says, I've called you by name, you're mine. When you go through deep waters of difficulty, of trouble, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. You remember when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was in that fiery furnace? The fire did burn something. Does anybody know what it was? The ropes they had, they had tied them up with. The ropes burned off. But they didn't even have the smell of smoke on the clothes, the Bible says. And the, the king was saying, didn't we throw three, three men in there who disobeyed us? Yeah. Well, I, I'm counting four. And they're, they're walking around in the place like they're having a good old time. And that fourth one looks like the son of God. When God is with you, I'm going to tell you, the fire is not going to burn you the way it does in this old natural world. I'm telling you, when God is with you, the, the waters are not going to overcome and drown you the same as in this old world where people have no God in their life. And he says, you'll go through rivers of difficulty. You'll not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. They'll consume the ropes that bind you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's a promise. And you, these are the kind of promises. If I was going to memorize something, I'd memorize a scripture like that. Because those are the scriptures we need when we're praying. When we're singing, when we're talking to the Almighty God, and we're claiming His promises as our very own. A tiny girl was taking a long journey, and in the course of the day, the train that she was riding on had to cross a number of rivers. The water, seen in advance, as she was looking out the window, always awakened doubts and fears in her. And she didn't understand how it could safely be crossed with this train. And all these people. And as they approached the river, a bridge appeared. Oh, wow, that's fantastic. And it furnished them a way over the river. And several times the same thing happened. She'd see the river and she'd be all nervous about how they're going to get across that thing. And finally she leaned back with a long breath of relief and confidence. And she said, somebody has put bridges for us all the way. Somebody's put bridges for us the whole way, all the way. And I'm going to tell you something. Almighty God has put a bridge for you all the way. Now, I don't know why the song was written. I don't really even understand all the details of the song. But when I was a teenager, there was a song that came out. And I can identify with part of it anyhow. And it's like, like a bridge over troubled water. And that's what Jesus is like. He is the bridge over the troubled water, over the rivers of difficulty. Jesus Christ, who is ever present with us, he is that bridge over troubled waters. And that's just what I'm talking about. And all the great men and all the great women, you know, of God, they've been weak individuals. I'm talking about God chooses the weak and the foolish. They're weak individuals who, who did great, fantastic things for God. Because they counted on him being with them. If you say to go, I'll go as long as you're with me. And he said, I'll be with you forever. Never, ever will he abandon you, 
not for a second. He'll be with you. That's what I'm talking about. We need to get that down in our heart. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 says, I once thought, I once thought all these things were so very important. The things that I have and the things that I've accomplished, I once thought all these things were very important, but now I consider them worthless. Can you understand the reality of that? Let's just say all of a sudden I find out that I'm going to have to be away from my home up on the mountain, way back, miles away from my house. I'm going to have to be away from my home for a month. And, and I'm leaving here right now. And I'm going to be there for a month. Well, what do I need? To, do I need to take a fire extinguisher with me? Do, do, do I really need my wallet with me? There ain't no stores up there, you know. And, and I can very easily leave keys to my car and to my house. That ain't going to matter if, if I'm going to survive. Them keys ain't going to help me. That wallet ain't going to help me and even my cell phone, unless I'm allowed to take my solar charger with me, it's only going to last for a few hours and then it goes kaputs, you know. What do I have in my pocket? Anything of value? Oh, I'll trade all that in just to have my pocket knife with me. Oh, and if I can take one thing out of my wallet, credit cards don't work up there. Nothing else. But here's something looks like a, a piece of lead that's always in my wallet. And I'm going to tell you something. This old guy knows how to build a fire with just that. And there's another dozen ways we can build a fire. You know what I'm talking about? Now, I didn't bring it with me. I had it last night. I just forgot to put it on this morning. But I have a little magnifying glass on a little necklace that hangs around my neck most of the time. And I can't build a fire at night unless I had some moonshine. Because it's very, very, very fire-oriented. I'm not talking about the things shining in the air. I'm just talking about some alcohol to build a fire. Uh, you know, I'm teasing you anyhow. But you can start a fire with a magnifying glass. You can start a fire with your glasses. Did you know that? So if you say, Pastor Ron, that ain't much to take with you on the mountain. That'll do. That will do. And what else would I want to take with me? This right here is 350-pound test. And I can build a shelter with this. Just little pieces of it because I got my knife. Little pieces of this cordage. I can build a shelter that will be waterproof. You say, that's all? With that, and I'll build me a fire out the front of it, and it'll keep us warm during the nighttime. And I can build snares. I know how to do this. I can build snares with this. We'll have breakfast in the morning, you know, to catch an animal. You'd be surprised what you can do with some decent cordage. And uh, what else would I want to have with me? You can find trash anywhere. On any mountain in the United States, at any beach, you can find old cans. You know what I'm saying? This used to be sweet peas. But it don't matter. I'd just burn that thing off of there and this... I would boil water in it. Boil water and it gets rid of all the germs and you can drink it. And you can always find an old plastic water bottle somewhere. Do you know what I'm saying? And you go, are you serious? Just with a can, a pocket knife, and a little fire starter and some cordage? 
I could survive a month on a mountain if I had nothing else. You go, I don't believe that. Well, let's try it. You try it, and I'll try it. We'll be about 200 yards away. But you can't come to my fire. See, how valuable is this if I got to be on a mountain for a month? How valuable is this? You got to boil your water. You know, how valuable. Now, if I don't have the striker, I can't make a fire anytime and every time. But you give me one day and I've got a dozen other methods that I can build a fire with. And and those things are absolutely in wintertime, you've got to have fire. So my wallet, my, my house, my, my car, I got a little tractor, you know, all the, those things don't amount to nothing. Now, I shared all that with you for this purpose. Listen to what the scripture says. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, I once thought all these things that I have or that I have accomplished were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. I'm willing to, to get rid of all those other things. I consider all this stuff that I've accumulated worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything. What percentage is that? Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. To, to be in him and, and, and to, to be with him. I have discarded, I mean, you know, everything. I have discarded everything. What percentage would everything be? I have discarded 100% of everything else, counting it all. What percentage is all? Counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ. Because with him, is a fantastic passage. I started last week's service with it. With him, all things are possible. And you can imagine, why would I trade in all this stuff just for this little bitty striker? Why would I trade in for a little bit of cordage? Because those things are important to survive. And I'm going to tell you what, when you've got the creator of everything, you can walk away from everything. Because anything you need, he can make it. You know what I'm talking about? He can make it. He can make you a shelter. He can make cordage. He can make a fish hook. He can make a trap. He can make you dinner. He can make you clothes to keep yourself warm. He can provide everything that you'll ever need now and throughout all of eternity. And if you got something in your life that is taking you away from God, it'd be best to get rid of it. That is 100% for sure. Listen to what it says in John 14, 21. It says, and this is an amplified classic. It says, the person who has my commands, the person who has my commands and keeps them, keeps them in front of your eyes so you can obey them. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. Because we, well, I love you. But do you keep his commands in front of your eyes so you can obey them? No, well, he says you don't really love him. Talk is cheap. 
The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me and whoever really loves me will be loved by my father and I too will love him and I will, I will show. The Amplified Bible says, I will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him. I'm not going to hide from him. I'm going to let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Now, that's a promise from Jesus. You know, he said, I'm going to make myself real to you. If you got my, my word and you keep it in front of you so you can obey it, I'm going to make myself real to you. I'm going to tap on your shoulder. You're going to see my fingerprints on everything. It's like, wow. How about, wow, that's almost miraculous. How did that happen? Wonder how it happened. He said he's going to make himself real to us. Question, is God real to you? Three of you said yes, fantastic. <laughs> is God real to you? Yes. Do you have his word? Yes. Do you keep it in front of your face so you can, oh, well, that's good. I'm going to do that. I'm going to obey it, you know. I looked upon a farm one day that once I used to own. The farm had fallen to the ground. The fields were overgrown. The house in which my children grew, where we had lived for years, I, I turned and, and, and I see it broken down and, and I brushed aside the tears. I looked upon my soul one day to find it too had grown with thorns and nettles everywhere the seeds neglect had sown. The years had passed while I had cared for things of Lesser worth, the things of heaven I let go, while minding things on earth. To Christ I turned with bitter tears and cried, Oh, Lord, forgive. I haven't much time left for thee, not many years to live. The, the wasted years forever gone, the days I can't recall. If I could live those days again, I'd make you Lord of Make you Lord of 100% of everything. And now's the time for us to do that. Let's just do that right now. Let's make him Lord of all. Because when you got the creator, you got everything you'll ever need. Everything, no matter what you give up, that's taking you away from him, the worldly things. No matter what you are willing to sacrifice or give up to just have Christ in you. Whatever you need for the rest of your life, you're going to find it in your relationship with Christ. That's a 100% guaranteed promise. Joel chapter 225 says, And I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten, canker worms, caterpillars, and palmer worms. God says, I'm going to restore to you everything that has been taken away from you. I'm going to restore it. It says here in Ezra or Ezekiel, I was told I had the wrong reference there. But anyhow, somewhere in the Bible, chapter 36, verse 26, it says, And I will give you a new heart. In the physical sense, does people ever need a new heart? Hospitals are giving people new hearts all the time. But that one will still let you down eventually. But the heart, the core of your entire being, God says, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you and I will take out, I will take out your, what's it say? I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender 
responsive heart, a heart that responds to me. When I just smile at your way, you just, oh. Do you respond to God or when God wants you to do something, do you kind of act like you don't see him? God, I want a responsive heart. I want a tender, responsive heart. Take the old heart of stone out of me and give me that tender, that responsive heart. The scripture we started out with last week, I'm just going to end with it this day. Matthew 19, 26 says, With God, all things are possible. With God. That is the Christmas message. Emmanuel, God with us. God wanted us to know that we have not been abandoned. He wanted us to know he's always there. And he is. He is everything that he said he is and more than we know of. Well, our time has gotten away from us here. Would you pray with me? Let's just bow our heads together. Susan, if you'd come up here to join me for a moment. What I'd like to do for you guys who are in the, the building right now, those who are watching us online right now, if you know Christ in a personal way, would you join me as we reaffirm our faith? Just like me in the morning when I roll over and I, I tell God, I say, good morning, Lord. And then I'll tell my wife, I love you. I reaffirm my love for her. So let's reaffirm our love to Almighty God right now. And if you've drifted off course, if you strayed away, you're a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, Let's just get right with God right now. Let's just get things right with him right now. Or maybe you've never even known him. You can declare your faith with us right now. If you know him, reaffirm your faith. If you've drifted off, let's just declare our faith. If you've never known him, declare your faith with me right now. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. That's why you sent Jesus. That's why you sent Jesus. Your son. Your son. And he gave his life on the cross. And he gave his life on the cross. He shed his blood. He shed his blood. To wash my sins away. To wash my sins away. And I believe. And I believe. That he rose again. That he rose again. From the dead. From the dead. And now he's knocking at the door of my heart. And now he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I receive him. And I receive him. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my King. And as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I make ways. a decision this day. I make a decision this day. That I'll live the rest of my life. That I will live the rest of my life. In a way that honors you. In a way that honors you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.